any time that that we've seen the managed money go short in silver, which is kind of what you're seeing, and commercials on the other hand are taking the other side of that. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics, and it is time once again to check in on what is going on on the retail level of the silver market, as well as cover some of the recent news that has come out in the recent days. And fortunately, joining me as always is Andy Sheckman of Miles Franklin, who had a well-earned vacation last week. And uh, Andy, it's great to have you back. Of course, the market does not sleep, and uh, funny to dig into today, but how are you, my friend? I'm good, brother. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, you come back from a few days off and you realize the whole world has changed in a in a substantive way. So, uh, yeah, it's it's nuts how much effort it takes to keep up on what's changing. And I think that's it's kind of the crazy part about all this, Chris, is that, you know, life is not dull and complacent anymore. It is very fluid and, and moving very quickly. You got to keep your eye on the ball, that's for sure. But it's good to be back. Well, good to have you here. And uh, big news in the time since you were gone. Obviously, we had the Fed meeting and we've seen a reaction in gold and silver. Slow start in general to the year, although obviously with the probabilities of Fed rate cuts being pushed off a bit, we've seen some weakness in the metals. Uh, silver was down again last week, up a little bit on Monday, but at 2270. Gold still hanging in there. Interesting how often you wake up, see gold down 10 or $20 and still in that 2030 to 2050 range. Just curious uh, to start things. Any difference in what you've seen out of order flow or premiums in the past week? I know it's been a bit of a slower time in general on the bullion side, but anything you could fill us in with there? Yeah, no, I mean, at the same time, you see 5.5 million ounces delivered off of Comex, um, it, it, it signaling that big money understands what's coming. The lack of uh, volume in the retail industry is, to me, shocking and eerily quiet. I look at it as a contrarian indicator. It's as if we got really whacked by the front end of the hurricane and we're square in the eye of it. And for whatever reason, uh, you know, maybe it's the fact that you got seven stocks leading the Dow and the S&P, you know, all-time highs while the breath is decreasing, but people don't look under the hood. They just think everything's okay. The stock market's roaring and there's talk of a soft landing. And, and you know, they lie to us about inflation and, and unemployment so that we believe that they're all under control and people are asleep. Yet the big money who's draining Comex and the LBMA and, uh, you know, companies like BlackRock and 19 other executive companies getting in front of, of you know, the parliament in Canada saying it needs to be considered as a critical metal just underscores to me um, this this dichotomy, this this disconnection between the mainstream and physical metal. And honest to God, the premiums and the availability is as good as it's been just about any time in my career. At a period of time when things might be more disjointed and concerning, at least as far as I'm concerned, at, at any time in in my career. So, very unusual time, very quiet. It's as it's a, it's as if um, you know. It's as if we're just right there in that eerily quiet before the storm. And I'm very confident with 200 meetings leading up between now and the, the BRICS big meeting in October and the election in November to believe that it will be this way for the next several months, I think, is is highly improbable. So I guess we'll have to see. But no, it's uh, it's very, very quiet. There's lots of product and, and low premiums. And this is industry wide. 
Well, yeah, that's been the case, certainly, as the metals have stayed within a range for a couple months now. And Andy, one question we've been getting from a couple of viewers that curious to hear your opinion on, we've seen the open interest in gold come down quite a bit. Here it is uh, at $420,000, uh, $420,000 contracts, rather, lowest since back in 2019. At the same time, we see silver's open interest on the higher end of the last couple of years, although along on the silver side, we see that one of the indicators that is helpful that certainly I look at, swap dealing banks close to flat, which is about as long as they get. So a uh, little bit mixed signals on the silver side, but any anything that you would draw from these open interest where silver is still a bit higher as the prices come down while gold is on the lower side? Well, I mean, I think that when you talk about the commitment of traders reports, anytime that that we've seen the managed money go short in silver, which is kind of what you're seeing, and commercials, on the other hand, are taking the other side of that, although they're not flat out long, but they are taking the other side of that. And more importantly, it's the managed money going short. Over the last two years, typically this is correlated with price bottoms. And um, so I would, you know, trying to be optimistic and hopeful, I think that when you see Manage money going short after after um, a good period of time of prices behaving counterintuitively. At the same time, we're seeing big withdrawals coming off the exchanges. I would suspect, not to mention when you talk about range bound, it's trading in a range bound. I think they call it a pennant formation where it's it's a narrowing range bound. And we're getting to that point where where things converge and either they go up or they go down and and usually in a substantive fashion. But when you see the the managed money going short, typically they're the ones that get fleeced. So I would simply say that I would suspect that we are nearing the very end of this uh, this this pullback of sorts, if you will, and would expect there to be uh, optimism as to what we could expect to see with prices moving forward, just based upon using the last two years as an example. Yeah, and I might add that Vince Lancy on his Monday show this week did an in-depth analysis of the recent changes in the COT report. So certainly for people looking uh, to dig a little more deeply in there, that is a good one you can check out. Andy, here is another one that I found interesting. This came out from Alistair McLeod uh, almost two weeks ago, but he was noticing the drop in the open interest in the gold contract. And... Interesting conclusion he has at the end here, which I'll read. Level of speculative interest in the gold contract is dying. The ability of the swaps to trigger stop losses is being compromised. In other words, liquidity in this contract is dropping, likely to make it more volatile. When the uptrend resumes, the price moves should be spectacular. But in the very short term, don't be surprised if in thin markets, gold dips towards 1950. Certainly what he describes there about a reduction in in the level of speculative interest and how many contracts are out there I think along with the Basel changes something that we've thought might be the case have you been seeing any signs of that uh, and any comment to what Alistair mentions here you know not really I mean that's that's um that's more of a strata above where we are focusing our attention um but look, you know, at at some point, you would you would assume that the managed money wakes up to the game that they've been playing over and over and over again about rinse, wash, and repeat, where they get sucked in to speculate, the, the prices rise, and and then the commercials come in and sh and short the rising price, and 
and those options or those contracts end up expiring worthless or the managed money capitulates and sells. When you have a market like, for example, in the gold market where the registered category is nearly 500% or five times rehypothecated, much more in silver. Um, and when you talk about the Basel III compliance where you know these, these, these contracts have to be in order to be on the books and, and counted, they need to be physically held rather than a paper derivative. But the market is becoming harder and harder to manipulate. And that's why I think you can only manipulate a market over an extended period of time by pushing in the direction that it is going. I think that to, to, to short naked in particular, a gold market in this environment globally is as dumb as a mud wall. And maybe there are, are traders on both sides of the equation, on both sides, whether it be the specs or the commercials who are wising up to the to the risks that that would be involved in in being on the wrong side of this trade when it breaks. So, yeah, I think you will see less liquidity and maybe you will see some volatility. But, you know, a lot of this in the end uh, has to do with the fact that the COMEX is setting the price, not the physical demand globally. And I would argue that the physical demand on on a much higher level with the central banks in particular is 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 really the truth about the way that the big, big money sees gold and the people who are comprising the, the retail market, well, they're a couple steps behind the game. They don't see the need or the reason to own physical metal, but the big money, they do. And I also think they're wising up to the fact that with the big BRICS meeting and all the 200 meetings leading up to it, with the election, with all of the change that is coming, um, with all the problems with the banks, with, with all the problems with debt, with all of the problems around us, that it is a very risky proposition to be playing in in a in a in a market like this where you know being naked short the wrong day can end up wiping out a company if if this continues to you know or if things start to get crazy and you see the world wake up to something that isn't um a piece of paper if there if there are companies or sovereign wealth funds or institutions or banks standing for delivery and you have the opposite side of that who's naked short, you know, God only knows what will happen in this environment. But you put yourself back over the last 20, 30 years when nobody wanted gold. It was easy to create this environment, this illusion um, by suppressing naked short. No one was going to ever stand for delivery. But that's not the case right now. And I, I just think it's one of these deals where maybe just maybe uh, you have people wising up to the dangers of of naked speculation in this market. Well, I hear you. And in there, you also mentioned the central banks, uh, some of the issues with the commercial banks. And interesting because uh, a couple of days ago, we did have Jerome Powell on 60 Minutes, no less. And going to play a, a couple of seconds of what he has to say here and then show you something that's happening and, and get your comment on that. So here we go. What is the likelihood of another real estate-led banking crisis? I don't, think, I don't think that's likely. We looked at the larger banks' balance sheets and it appears to be a manageable problem. There's some smaller and regional banks that have concentrated exposures in these areas that are challenged. And, you know, we're working with them. You believe it's a manageable problem? I think it we're appears We're not going to see be. bank failures across the country as we did in 2008. I, I, don't, I don't think there's much risk of a repeat of 2008. Certainly. So not much risk of repeat of 2008. I might add that in the days since he mentioned that, we had New York Community Bancorp post $185 million loss 
on commercial real estate. We're getting to that point now where we're close to seeing the removal of the bank term funding program. So whether it's to a level of 2008, I mean, there is the precedent that last year there was a banking issue until the Fed stepped in. We'll see how things go when they end that facility. Um, although there, I guess there's a degree to which when there is an issue, whether he sees one or not, we have an idea how that he's going to respond ultimately. Yeah, it just seems it seems like a lie, just like the subprime crisis was contained. It's a it doesn't you know, he says we've looked at the big banks. Well, 70 percent of all the commercial real estate loans are held by the regional banks. It's kind of interesting how he just glossed over that. And not only that, you have 70 percent of the small business loans. So these these businesses who are are involved in the real estate are also taking the loans all mostly largely from the regional banks. And, you know, when you talk about how bad this can get. You got the Xerox building in Washington, D.C. that just sold for $25 million two weeks ago. But it was it was in 2011 that it sold for $145 million. That's an 83% loss. And how many buildings like this are, are going to hit the market? How many of these loans over the next two years, well over a trillion dollars, need to be reset at rates that have gone much, much, much higher? I think he's he's lying about this. I think he's just trying to to you know maintain calm but when you talk about you know the regional banking problem yeah 145 160 billion dollars in the short term funding program that ends March 11th uh where's that money going to come from and when you talk about a bank like New York uh, Community Bank 40% of its assets are uninsured over 40% of its assets are uninsured and so that means if you look at there's 7 trillion dollars in uninsured deposits in the banking system and you know, it's not just New York Community Bank, which, by the way, was one of the big banks involved in taking over, I believe it was Signature Bank. So they bought one of the distressed banks themselves or took a large portion of it. But a bank like New York Community Bank also owns other smaller banks here in Florida. Uh, there is a branch. And let me tell you the name of the branch. Let me just look here real quick. Um, but they closed also. That branch is um, called Amherst. And the Amherst Banks, which is a, a, a um, I guess it's an offshoot of the New York Community Bank, all, all of the Amherst uh, banks have um, a sign on the door that says all branches will be closed beginning February 16th at 6 p.m. Eastern. We will reopen Tuesday, February 20th as Flagstar Bank. So, yes, they are still consolidating. There'll be a lot of consolidating. But one of these moments at one of these times that you see one of these banks fail, you're not going to have another bank come in and step in and and take over the distressed assets, and you will see a bank be bailed in. I think the banking problem is far from over, and uh, the money that's been injected into the system, the, the $160 billion, uh, is proof of that. Um, there, we're a long ways away from being out of the woods with the regional banking crisis, but to what he said, we're working with the bigger banks, they're fine. Well, that's great. It's 70% of the real estate, commercial real estate loans are held by the regional banks. And that's where the problems will be. This is where the consolidation comes in. And uh, I guess we'll have to see. But I would say, just as uh, Bernanke was full of crap, so too is, is Powell as it pertains to his projections on commercial real estate. Well, I hear you. He did say the debt is unsustainable. So there were a few things tossed in. And Speaking of which was interesting, this came out on uh, Monday morning, or actually a couple of days ago, but see, U.S. Senate advances $95 billion to Ukraine, Israel aid in a bill after a failed, failed border deal. 
And I was just thinking about $95 billion, that's a tenth of a trillion in the same year where we're set to have over $5 trillion of short-term debt rolled over in the next six months. So obviously on the fiscal side, which doesn't come as a big surprise, especially with an election later this year, seeing every sign that the spending numbers are going to continue to be big, perhaps on a side note, you wonder if we're at the point where even if even if you did have a balanced budget tomorrow, the drop in GDP from the with, withdrawal of that government money would create a whole other issue. So again, suggesting we're past the point of any easy answers, but if you did have any thoughts on the- Yeah, well, I mean, even, even in the 60 Minutes um, interview, Powell said that the, the federal government needs to get its spending in order, I mean, in line, and that- you know, more or less that that our fiscal policy is brain dead, that we're addicted to spending. And it's very unusual to see a, a Fed chair say something like that. We have $8.9 trillion in government debt that will mature over the next year on top of a $1.4 trillion debt. And, you know, so you're talking $10 trillion in U.S. Treasuries that needs to be issued in 2024. And at the same time, they're full of crap, even though they're talking about cutting rates, making these bonds less attractive. Who the hell wants to do that? Who wants to take our debt uh, when you have this kind of overhang where you're borrowing money, you know, just to to make payments that you have no business making, that we are literally completely, totally insolvent, we're broke, and yet we continue to spend as though, you know, that it, that it's no big deal at all. And so I, I think that um, I think that this is just emblematic of, of the problems that we find ourselves in. Uh, U.S. government borrowed $47 billion just a few days ago. We've borrowed over $3 trillion since the debt ceiling crisis ended in June of 2023. $3 trillion. Since October, we've we've spent over $10 billion a day as a government. And, you know, the worst part of it is you got a whole nother year where the debt ceiling is uncapped. So, you know, this is a situation where that, that doesn't even take into account all of the things like entitlement payments and unfunded liabilities like Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid and all of this stuff. So, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a very big problem. And, and, you know, of course, and you throw into the fact 12 million people entering the country illegally, who's going to pay for their schooling, their housing, their medical, all of this stuff. Um, it's a problem and it's not going away. And the fact that we even have a debate on borrowing more money from the world to fund the Ukraine war, to fund all of these endeavors around the world that we really, you know, I guess have no business being the world's policemen at the expense of future generations. It's one thing if we were, you know, running a big surplus and and weren't the largest debtor nation on the planet. But it's insane that, you know, we are going deeper and deeper and deeper into debt. We spent $2 trillion, the debt increased from 2023 to 2024, January to January by $2 trillion. It took over 200 years to do that the first time we do it in one year. And now we're going to be spending a trillion dollars on interest payments. And as rates go higher, they're not going to go lower. They're going to go higher as far as I'm concerned. But they're not going to lower rates. They will give up on inflation. Then, and then the whole world will say, what the hell do we want your bonds for? You're inflating, you're in debt, you're insolvent, your country's a mess. What do we want your bonds for? And I, I think that's the dilemma that that the U.S. and in particular the Federal Reserve is is faced with. So, Chris, I wish I wish it was an, it, the message that I would talk about was one that was 
was brighter. But when you look at how we are being misled by the BLS or the BIS rather, where they can revise 440,000 jobs in January from the year before, 40% of all the job creation, and yet the media is talking like there's this great economy and robust job creation. When, when you can look at the inflation and the money creation numbers that are a complete and total lie, everything that they are telling us is more or less a lie. And that's the, the truth of it. And, and the metrics by by which they are you know gauging the strength of the economy are the are the lies that are coming out of the BLS who then a few months later revised downward quietly. So yeah, I you know I do think that um I do think Powell's stuck and I don't think rates are going to decrease. Uh, I think they'll only go higher would be my guess along with escalating inflation. I guess only time will tell, but I keep coming back to this feeling no matter what we talk about the daily and the economics you have 200 meetings between now and the end of October, all BRICS related, including the big one where 35 countries have now formally applied on top of the 10, maybe more. Are they going to issue the gold and commodity-backed currency that the Russian finance minister has promised us? Are they? Maybe not. I don't know. And then the election, maybe the most important election in this country's history a month later. And yet it's so eerily calm. And we continue to see things that just defy logic uh, here at home and abroad, the way that our our administration is, is handling things. So I this is why it, it baffles me that it is so quiet, because, again, I think the world is a whole lot worse than it's ever been in my entire career and and on more of a precarious slope, um, in particular, with what happens with the election and with the BRICS and this growing chorus of countries that are that are finding safety in numbers and, um, you know, if I had to guess, this is just the very beginning of of craziness that we will see every single month between now and the end of uh, the end of November when the election happens, hopefully. Yeah, and I guess we'll see what happens to that three hundred billion dollars that was frozen when Russia went into Ukraine and now being discussed of whether they're just going to send that to Ukraine. Of course, well, I'm glad you brought that up. That's important, Chris, because if you you know, I've been saying that for a long time. It's one thing to sanction and freeze and cut off interest payments. It's another thing to confiscate and use to fund the war. And if you listen to what Putin said in his interview with uh, Tucker Carlson, I think everyone should watch it. He's like, do the people in the United States not understand what's happening to the dollar? Do they not know what the dollar is? Do they not realize that your government is cutting off your own hands by weaponizing the dollar? And what basically he's saying is what you and I have been talking about for the last three years, that there will not be another country in the Southern Hemisphere that will ever trust us ever again. And why would they? And 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 to buy our bonds, which can be frozen, which are, they're talking of lowering rates, which they won't. And if they do, they've signaled inflation over austerity. They'll never normalize their balance sheet. I mean, the deeper you go down the rabbit hole, you see that we've run out of options. So the weaponizing of the dollar uh, was the dumbest thing we could have possibly done. Maybe only followed secondly by signing an executive order to go green which is kicking the the linchpin out of the hegemony of the dollar. So this is what I mean about things being so stupid. They're almost too stupid to be stupid. Is it intended? I don't know. But the decisions that we are making on the world stage are re really game-changing. And I think that's what Putin was trying to say. And I'm glad that you brought that up because, um, look, you know, he said, how your, your sanctions don't work anymore. You know, you, you put all these sanctions on Russia and, and they were the number one performing economy in Europe last year. So I don't know, you tell me, um, what's the right answer? I think that 
if if we don't get a change in Washington, this country is in a really big problem and maybe maybe gone. I just I just if we continue to do these things to spend as though it has no meaning to spend and borrow money from the rest of the world. I mean, ask yourself, how the hell, if in by 2031, all tax receipts, this according to the Congressional Budget Office, which is nonpartisan, says all income tax receipts and revenue will go to pay just the interest on the debt and mandatory entitlements, how can we be the world superpower when all discretionary spending, including military, has to be borrowed? We can't. We're that close to being at the end of the rope. And I think that's the point that people are missing, is that you know, this is why I, I keep saying logarithmic decay, little by little by little by little, then bang, all at once, you go off the cliff. And that's the thing. People don't see the cliff. Maybe they see the little by little, the craziness and the lawlessness and the crap all around the, the world, and in particular in this country, you know, the stupidity, the open borders, the wokeness, the, the, the beating up police officers in Manhattan. You worked on Wall Street. Can you imagine attacking a cop in broad daylight? I mean, and yet this happens and, and it's continuing to happen. And uh, I think that we are seeing the little by little by little, and the people who don't open their eyes to see the bigger picture here behind that will be caught completely and totally off guard when the all at once happens. But we are incentivizing the all at once. And all of the things that you talk about and the questions that you've asked me only make it worse. The commercial real estate, the economy, the banking, you know, all of that stuff. What happens if the dollar gets slammed and interest rates spike? Well, the banks collapse, the commercial real estates collapse, stocks, bonds, real estate, it all collapses. Everyone keeps saying lowering rates, lowering rates. So what if the rest of the world says we are no longer taking dollars the way that Iran has, the way that Russia has, now the United Arab Emirates has? What if it's everyone, all of OPEC? We just can't take it anymore. We're ideologically not aligned with you. And we don't like the way you're running things. So we're going to respectfully move away from the dollar. After all, you signed that executive order to go green and boom, there's your all at once moment. Could it happen? Absolutely. Will it? Don't know. But I think a lot will be um, uncovered between now and the end of the 200 meetings leading up to the big BRICS meeting in October. Every single day, there'll be something new to think about. And uh, I think people need to realize that this calm before the storm, this is not real. This is something that if anything, should concern you more than make you think that the trouble's behind us. I think it's uh, it's eerie, if you ask me. Well, it certainly should be a fascinating year. And yes. I like the image that they had in here with the dark storm clouds over the Capitol building. So we'll see how it all shakes out. Andy, uh, in wrapping up, uh, for anyone who's seeing all of this and thinks that gold or silver is something that they want to be adding to their portfolio. Anything that is a good offer for our listeners this week? Yes, there is. Uh, again, look, because uh, everything is on sale. And I mean that. Um, premiums haven't been this low in years and years. And availability hasn't been this good. And we went from a period of time where for three years, delivery delays and high premiums marked this industry. And... Um, it's the antithesis of that right now. So while everything is on sale, and while I'm a huge fan of the American Eagle, both gold and silver, we have, uh, in terms of silver right now, we have the backdate one ounce silver Philharmonics at 315 over the price of silver. You know, Silver Eagle is going to cost you a, a buck and a half more than that or somewhere in that neighborhood. So if you want a, a government issued uh, coin, a sovereign mint coin, and a lot of these executive or uh, these, these bills that are floating through the states to 
allow sovereign mint coins to be used as legal tender. Most of them say any sovereign mint. So it's not just U.S. mint. And, you know, the, the Philharmonic from the Austrian mint is probably the most recognized coin all throughout Europe. It is a beautiful coin, one that I love, and it's just a better value price-wise than the dollar, I mean, than the silver eagle. And then when we talk about gold, we have the circulated $10 Liberty at $99 over melt. This is pre-1907. It's just under a half ounce of gold. And my favorite way to own it, um, it will be less than a half ounce gold eagle, albeit it is a little bit less in weight. Um, but nonetheless, um, I think that if 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 price is not an issue, for me, I own nothing but pre-1933 $20 and $10 gold pieces. And I was that way for most of my career. From 2008 until roughly this year, premiums have been too damn high to recommend this stuff. But they are at a point, much like everything, where I would say if you have the ability to buy these, they're a minimum of 113 years old. They're true pieces of Americana. They're in circulated uh, extra fine condition. They were in someone's pocket 115 years ago, um, but they look really good and they, to me, are the preferred way to own gold if you have the ability to do so. So the circulated $10 Liberty at 99 over melt and the backdated one ounce silver Philharmonics at 315 over spot, um, as good as it's going to get. But anything you want right now is available and on sale, and we're eager to help any way we can. Well, appreciate that. To find out more about that or if someone would like to place an order, email arcadia at milesfranklin.com. Happy to get back to you and answer any questions you have or get you whatever you need. Andy, uh, certainly be plenty to track and follow along as we progress throughout the year. Thanks, as always, for joining us back here. Glad you had a nice vacation, and we'll pick this up next week. Yeah, Chris, we're going to need you, brother. The whole world's going to need you over this year. I'm very confident. In fact, I'd be willing to lay a pretty big wager that between now and this time next year, um, there'll be more to talk about than in all the years you and I have been talking about together. So no one better to do it with than you and appreciate the opportunity to ride shotgun with you through it. Look forward to picking up with you next week. You stay well, buddy.